Brother Eli to come and share with us one more time. <coughs> Let me repeat what I said uh, yesterday. Uh, since uh, <clears throat> it's very difficult to preach after lunch. And so if the Lord is leading you to pray for me, please do so with your eyes open. I'll appreciate that very much. Now I have uh, the privilege of uh, addressing the last subject of this conference. And I hope that I will not be as long as I have been in my three messages. Seeing that our brother Jeff is determined to go through that stack of questions. <laughs> We will see. <laughs> uh, Josh is proposing something actually. We can actually go through it. If we modify the style, we can answer some yes, no. That's it. <laughs> then we can go through the questions. Yeah. The sovereignty of God in end times. Now I struggled with this one as well myself and I'm making a confession here because there's a sense in which it's such a large subject and my own feeling is that if I zero in to a particular aspect of it that it will leave more questions than answers <laughs> <laughs> so I have chosen to, I made a decision um, in terms of preparation that I'm going to make a very generalized presentation concerning this matter. And then I'm going to make very pointed applications so the message itself is going to be general and then I'm going to be very pointed in my application. So this is how I have made the decision because a decision has to be made one way or the other. Um, so again, just like I promised, let me first of all uh, introduce the structure to you. And I remind you that I do that because I'm very aware there are many students here. And there are Bible teachers here. One of the things um, we struggle with in terms of sermon preparation is we can say many things that cannot be followed cogently and coherently because there was no structure to what we were doing. And I've actually written a book on this. Um, Practical Health for Gospel Preachers. So in the first place, I will make um, preliminary comments with regard to a few texts and the relevance of this message uh, to us. And then in the second place, I'm going to try and explain the difficulties relating to end-time discussions. And I'm, I'm hoping then that as we discuss this, uh, what Jeff, my brother, was saying earlier on, uh, would become somewhat um, important to you. That you need, uh, all Josh and I can do here is really to expose you to the very 
rudimentary principles uh, the basic things nadhani kwamba kile joel jeba amesema ni kwamba kwamba sisi ile tunaweza kufanya tu hapa ndio kupata vitu za juu ambazo ni za muzajia kuza kushikilia lakini hayo mashiko yahitaji mwenyewe utafute you need to dig deep with these things lazima utafute ndani kabisa mambo haya so difficult to relate to the end time discussions i'm going to have uh, a comment on that in a very general way hukumu nayo usikana na mambo ya mwisho nitaenda kufanya jambo hapo kwa ujumla And then I'm going to narrow down in the third place on the sovereignty of God over both time and end times. Anitaenda sasa kufika chini kwa uenzi wa Bwana kwa nyakati na hata nyakati za mwisho. Because yes, I mean I'm not discussing eschatology per se, but then I mean this is just going to be a very general way that we're discussing this matter. Kwa sababu sio siendi kuongea juu ya vitu za mwisho kabisa, lakini naenda kuongea tu kwa ujumla. After dealing with the sovereignty of God over time and the end times, wakati tutahusika na uenzi wa Bwana kwa wakati na nyakati za mwisho. I'm going to in the fourth place then uh, discuss with us what the Christian ought to know about time and its end. But if I may direct your attention now then to Genesis chapter 1 I'm going to read verse 1 all the way to verse 8 and then I'm going to make some comments on that text but I will be inviting you also to think about Daniel chapter 2 the whole chapter and then uh, related with that or another way of well the bible presents daniel chapter 2 again in chapter 7 it's the same presentation so i'm going to invite you to reflect on daniel 2 and daniel 7 though we are not going to read those but you're going to probably think about them so in genesis chapter 1 then in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of god was moving over the surface of the waters verse 3 is very important then god said let there be light and there was light god saw that the light was good and god separated the light from the darkness god called the light day and darkness he called night there was evening and there was morning one day verse 6 then god said let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters verse 7 god made the expanse and separated the waters which were below and the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse and it was so verse 8 god called the expanse heaven and there was evening and there was morning a second day and the story keeps repeating itself like that now um when we talk about the end times in technical language we are dealing with the subject of eschatology this is a study that has to do with the last things the end of time as we know it We Christians do believe do we not that there is a beginning and then there will be an end In the ancient times around about the 4th the 5th the 6th century Actually way, way before that actually There was a view of time that we sometimes call the cyclic view of time That is to say time goes in a circular motion like this You know there is no onward movement of time. 
that we begin here <laughs> and then we have that journey and then uh, somehow we end up here and uh, that, that is um, the way Hindus sometimes will think in terms of reincarnation and things like that. And Life is a series of revolver doors. You know, um, we are we are going that way and then we come back here. We are going that way and then we come back here. But in the progress of the 5th century No 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 in the 5th century in the year 400 and something Yeah yeah I think that's a better way to bring it You had Aurelius Augustine uh, our brother talked about him as being an African from West Africa here a very great mind in terms of theology. So if somebody tells you that Christianity is a Western religion, tell them no. One of the great influences of Christianity was a North African. <laughs> Augustine, by reading the scriptures, comes to a conclusion that time is not cyclic, that time is in fact linear. We are not going through revolver doors starting from point A and ending in point A. No, no, no. The life begins somewhere at the beginning and it is inexorably galloping towards a crescendo, an end. There's a line that has a beginning and has an end. Now in terms of Christian theology as we understand it and in our biblical history we read that there is a beginning and then there will be an end and the end we will meet with God and when we meet with God there are only two destinies that confront humanity everlasting life in the presence of God and everlasting perdition in hell the lake of fire Gahina. so really at the end of the day eschatology the study of the end times is not that complicated <laughs> let me try and summarize it for you so that even if I don't preach anything else, you have a full message. <laughs> God created the heavens and the earth and time himself as I should show you shortly. And God is directing everything towards a terminal end. And at that terminal end, there will be two ways. Hell, heaven. Hallelujah. We are done. <laughs> In a sense in which that is true. But I think there has been an overcomplication of the subject of the end of times that it has resulted in some difficulties that I think could have been avoided and I think sometimes then it has ended up being uh, a red herring really Sorry, a distraction from the main thing. So let me try and point out about four or five difficulties that I find with the discussions that have to do with the end of time. I know I've read Genesis. I'll come back to Genesis. Don't worry. The first difficulty, I think, that you've got to encounter in our world today is what I'm describing as an atheistic discussion of the end time. Let me 
a discussion of the end of time that proceeds as if there is no god who is in charge maongezo maongezi ambaye ni ya mwisho ambaye inaongelewa ni kama hakuna mungu anayehusika na mambo kama hayo You know for example right now there is uh, I was listen I think there a couple of days ago. A couple of days ago I was watching uh, Fox News. And uh, the interviewer who is I think one man called Sean Hannity or something. Was interviewing a liberal somebody there scientist or something. And this scientist was of the view that we will wake up one morning to find the world gone. <laughs> It will be finished. Like there'll be no warning I mean with the we do things will just happen I don't know ice is melting from where global warming this is the thing a meteorite that is out of line it's traveling on a wrong tangent a meteorite that is bigger than the earth can suddenly hit the and you come away from the discussion with a feeling that there is no god directing things anything can happen anytime that view of the end time denies the sovereignty of god They want us to believe that the world is a continuum of chemical and geological processes. Wanataka sisi tuamini kwamba ulimwengu ni maendelezi ya madawa fulani na michanganyiko ya vitu fulani ambazo zinajifanya hivyo sikiendelea kufanya. Like the world came into being by an accident. You know that's the science. That's what science says. Oh, there was this massive rock. A lot of gaseous exchanges within the rock. The compaction was so strong that the gases could not be contained. There was an explosion. And so by accident we are all here. And by the same accident we will all disappear. It's an atheistic view of the end of time. It denies the sovereignty of God. Then a second difficulty that we've got to think about. Is a more religious difficulty. I am calling it a deistic view of the end time nasema kwamba ni ile mtazamo unaofanana kama wa kiungu wa siku za mwisho now deism tukisema kwamba ni kitu kama ya kiungu hivi is a concept that teaches that the world is created to operate automatically on its own ni ile ulimwengu umeungwa kufanya kila kitu kivyake You know I have a watch here don't I? And this watch since I bought it which is about three years ago maybe four, My wife and I were in Mombasa and I bought this one. I've never interfered with it. I don't do these things. It, it works by itself. The clockmaker put in here everything needed for it to operate. <laughs> so I don't wake up every morning trying to tell it to move move. A deistic view of God is this view that God has made the world to that extent they are very religious we say yes and amen that God has made the world in such a manner that the world has within itself self-regulating forces self-operating mechanisms away from his direct involvement kwamba Mungu ameumba ulimwengu kwa njia ambayo iko na njia kujiendesha yenyewe hali ya kujipeleka yenyewe pasipokuwa na kitu kingine kando na ulimwengu inaisaidia kuelekea. In other words, 
This is a view of God and of the end times that distances God from the daily affairs of his creation. Is left us to our own devices. Now you remember when I was dealing with the sovereignty of God in creation. I said other than the decrees of God which my brother dealt with. God interacts with his world through the principle we call providence. And I hope you remember that providence has three aspects to it. Preservation, concurrence, and government. And we were contending for this idea that even a strand of hair on your head cannot fall to the ground if the Lord has not allowed it to. Such a minuscule thing like the falling of a sparrow. God is actively, daily, intimately involved in the running of the world. Now this deistic view of God and of the end time denies not just the sovereignty of God but the doctrine of providence in its three outworking stages. So, so, so that's another difficulty we have. But the third difficulty we have with regard to a discussion of the end times it is this constant speculation of the unknown <laughs> when is Jesus coming back what date and time? Now you know, for example, that there is a mighty prophet in this land. The mighty prophet. You know the mighty prophet? He says, God has whispered to him the exact date and time. God whispered in his ear. He's gone on television. God has told him. In fact, he says God hid the end, the, the parousia, the coming of Christ, the, the second coming. God hid it from Jesus. But he has revealed it to the mighty man of God. <laughs> And you know that the mighty man of God takes trips to heaven every day. He himself says in the twinkling of an eye. You are with him in an office and all of a sudden he tells you I've gone to heaven and come back. And when he went to heaven in one of his episodes he says that the father stood up on his throne. The father. And addressed him, my lord, welcome. It's ridiculous. And then the, the, the son of God, Jesus, left his throne and came and lay prostrate on his laps like this. Wow. Well, well, well. But people are trying to understand those things that cannot be understood. Some years ago, I watched a man called Thomas Wahome. Thomas Wahome was the founder 
and the president of that ministry that was called helicopter ministry. Even the name should scare you, helicopter ministry. And Thomas Wahome said, if you pay me 1,000 shillings, I can look into the book of life and tell you whether your name is there or not. But if you pay 1,500, <laughs> if your name is not there, I will insert it. <laughs> it's hilarious, yes. It's funny, yes. But it's true. There's a lot of decoding of codes. No, no, decoding of codes, deciphering, trying to interpret Bible codes. There's a book that's been written actually. Saying there are codes in the Bible. There are codes. If you follow those codes properly and put the numbers together, you can calculate the events of the end time. What is 666, for example? Mm, is it the Pope? Vicarious Villidae, those words written in that big thing the Pope wears. Is it, is it that one? Is it the UPC, the Uniform Product Code? That, that which you have every time you go to a supermarket, there is that code they. Uh, gives a prize. Is that the number? What is it? There is a lot of speculation into the unknown. Another difficulty, number four, has to do with the fear of mysterious events and figures. Who is the Antichrist? You know, there was a time in Kenya, people believed Daniel Toroiti Charap Moe was the Antichrist. And there were preachers that were going around preaching that kind of thing. I do know that in the USA, there were preachers who believed Henry Kissinger was the Antichrist. Oh, maybe it was Adolf Hitler. Maybe Benito Mussolini. Maybe Field Marshal Lydia Mindada. Who is the Antichrist? And there is a lot of debate and discussion around this issue. You know how my teacher taught me to think about this thing? He showed me a text. I can't call it mine now straight away. We simply say, And the Lord shall destroy the Antichrist with the breath of his mouth. I said, Eli, don't worry about it. Don't stress too much about it. Whether the Antichrist is a president or a ten-horned creature, it doesn't matter. The Lord will destroy him not by years of struggle <laughs> but by a mere breath of his mouth he'll be finished and, I, and I've been thankful to Keith Underhill for that kind of help up until now then there are questions of heaven and hell and the mysteries then that are involved around that whole issue now what I've said is these things complicate the discussion I think. And in a manner does not help us to appreciate the sovereignty of God. Now I want to tell you in this next section that whatever is in the end time. Whatever I don't know, this one thing I know, God 
is sovereign over the end time. He has absolute control. Now there are three things I want to discuss with you. Number one, God created time. He did. And that's why I read Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning God made the heavens and the earth. All that is in them. We are told in the way of creation. As God was creating stuff. In fact, the thing that he created after creating the heavens and the earth was to create the concept of time. For I always say to my students that God created time as a container of his purposes. God is not bound by time but God operates in time. So we read in the record of Genesis that there was evening there was morning the first day. We begin to have the concept of time because God created time. That is important. Time did not begin by itself. And time will not run itself. Time is created by God. And God creates time as a vehicle of his purposes. Now let me, let me stop here for a minute. And make an application that I think is very relevant to us here in Africa particularly. Because if there is something that describes the African people. Is our ignorance on the concept of time. We we treat time very badly. In fact, when I was in college, one of my professors said, and I've never forgotten this. He said, whoever does not know the concept of time is still primitive. You know, there's a very derogative thing that we do here and we are rather proud of it. We say the white man has a watch. <laughs> but we have time. We have time. <clears throat> I mean, we just have time. Don't have much to do, but we have time. <laughs> We have time. And we are rather proud when we say that. <laughs> oh, in fact, when you attend a meeting, we ask one another. Unakuja kwa masaa ya Afrika ama masaa ya Msungu? But if we recognize that God created time, as a vehicle that will carry his purposes then we begin to have a Christian view of time time is a resource time is a resource if I go like this, I'm not sure I'll go through half of my message but I'll, I'll step up still, it's fine <laughs> listen, I'd rather speak to you listen you pastors were here. This is so important for ministry. I said to members of my church, I love them, I'm their shepherd. But you don't just come to my house because you felt like coming to my house. I was walking. <laughs> Now, 
Because time is a resource. Scripture says, redeem time. Redeem time. The second thing I would have you know is that God works within, through, and on time. Mungu anatenda kazi yake ndani, pitia na kwa wakati. So that's what the record of Genesis tells you, doesn't it? Sababu ile ya mtiririko wa mwanzo inatuambia. He created within a sequence of time. Aliumba kulingana na mtiririko ya wakati. And on the sixth day he created man. Na siku ya sita aliumba mwanadamu. There's a relationship between the workings of God and time. Kuna ushirika katikati ya matendo ya Mungu na wakati. Frequently in the Bible even in the pronouncements of the prophets you hear the concept of time repeated again and again At a time such as this scripture says and it shall come to pass afterwards God works in time and on time Mungu and through time kwa wakati ndani ya wakati na kupitia kwa wakati and so Jesus in view of this thing says walk while it is still day for the night comes when no man shall be able to Yesu anapotazama anasema kwamba tendeni kazi wakati bado ni wakati wakati ushiku utafika God works Mungu anatenda he advances his purposes in time. And that is why I invited you to examine the text of Daniel 2. And also to examine the text of Daniel 7. You could also think about Ephesians 1:11 which our brother talked about. Even Galatians 4 and verse 4. In the fullness of time in the fullness of times sorry that was Ephesians 1:10 God works his purposes in time and God has his hand on time he didn't just create it He's not just working through it. He has his hand on time. Pushing it and manipulating it towards his the end. It's a comforting thing. To know that nothing happens by accident. God, God, God is controlling this thing. It's all going to work out the way God wants it to work out. So Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel 7 is that vision in which God gives us as it were a bird's eye view of the history of the entire world. The first major world power that will come. Then the second major power that will come. Then the third major power that will come. Then the fourth major power that will come. The Roman kingdom in which we are now still. And even the coming of that fifth kingdom in the midst of the fourth that which Daniel describes as a stone that is cut without hands that shall come from above and shall smite this kingdom and that kingdom that shall be established shall never be overthrown the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ so right from the ancient days to the time of the coming of Christ which we obsess over God says I have my hand on that time and I am directing it towards my purposes it will work out the way I want it to work out so really, it doesn't matter whether the Antichrist will come tomorrow <laughs> or 10 years from now. It doesn't matter. 
Now way back in the 90s. I think in the 90s. There was such a proliferation and a mushrooming, a multiplication of what was at the time called end time preachers. End time Barry Smith, Chuck Smith, you know, Jack Van Impey. Mm-hmm. They were quite notable names back in the day. And it was a big thing to collect people in a room. And in a crusade public open air meeting. And begin to describe the number 666. And people would not sleep that night. They would be so afraid. Because they preached in such a manner. That you would think your very neighbor is the Antichrist. <laughs> Maybe it's you. This behavior is you. And so there was a lot of general fear. But one other thing that I think was problematic, it is still problematic, is the obscuring of the gospel message in the hubri and rubble of this so-called end-time teaching. You know, actually, I had a preacher with my own ears preach about how the Antichrist will come, there will be a number you will not eat, you will not buy or sell, you know, people will die hungry, there will be a sword, and then from the blues like a rabbit out of the hut, <laughs> he said, how many of you here want to escape that day? Every hand, including some pastors, <laughs> me, say this prayer after me. There was no gospel preaching, no explanation of sin, no explanation of the gospel of the righteousness of Christ, his death on the cross in my behalf, the very rudimentary principles of the gospel, which are supposed to bring faith. Faith that leads to true salvation. Emotions were whipped up. And people responded on the basis of fear and whipped up emotions. So I say to you, once you understand that God has his hand on history itself, and is guiding it towards his purposes. What becomes important, what becomes important is am I right with God? That is the only question we've got to answer. Peace with God now. Forgiven my sins now. Made a child of God now. Assurance of salvation now. Filled by the Holy Spirit now. If those things are clear in my head. Blessed assurance Jesus is mine. If I have that. It doesn't matter what else I don't know. I can say Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Anytime, any day. Come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. The spirit and the bride say, come Lord Jesus. But you see, I find many times that the reason why people get into so many complicated <inaudible> labyrinthine <inaudible> discussions of codes <inaudible> and the decoding <inaudible> and, and the other thing about the other time, <inaudible> very exciting, <inaudible> is because they are avoiding the real issue. 
ni kwa sababu wanakataa jambo kamili lenyewe and the real issue is are you right with god na jambo la muhimu ni kwamba je uko sawa na mungu because there, there are things i will never know ladies and gentlemen i will never know on the basis of what the scripture has said kuna vitu ambavyo sitawahi jua kwa msingi wa wale maandiko yanasema for example kwa mfano I don't know when the Lord will come. He might come as I preach this message down. I don't know. He might come 1000 years from now. I don't know. Here's what I know. If I have put my faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. If I'm redeemed. If I'm a child of God. It doesn't matter. So what ought a Christian to know? Three things. What ought you to know? About the end time juu ya mambo ya mwisho number one, la kwanza that there is a plan kwamba kuna mpango things are not happening afazadly vitu asitendeke tu namna hivyo there is a plan kuna mpango that's why god tells daniel and nebuchadnezzar beforehand kabla ya wakati This is my plan. This is what's going to happen. There's going to be this kingdom here by the Babylonians. It'll be overthrown by the Medo-Persians. Then the Greeks will come and take over. Then the Romans will come and take over. And during the reign of that Roman Empire, my son will come. The stone that is cut without end. There is a plan. And all we've been saying Josh and myself is this thing. That that plan is by a sovereign God who can never fail. He's not confused. Secondly, I would have you know that this plan is formed and directed by God. It is formed and directed by God. Number three, that this plan is ultimately for the good of those who love God the lord there is a plan that plan is formed and directed by god that plan ultimately is for the good of they that love the lord So let me ask you as I close this. I said I won't go very far. Are you sure? Do you know? Unajua. That you know. Kwamba unajua. That you know. Kwamba unajua. That you're a child of God. Kwamba wewe ni mwana wa Mungu. Have you submitted to the sovereignty of God? Now let's, let's, let's be clear on this matter. There's a lot of problem in our continent in our country. One missionary described it this way. It is a Christianity that is a mile wide. But an inch deep. We are a very vibrant society. In the stages of the giving over, the judgment of God. We haven't gone into places where some of the western countries have gone into. We still have this idea of God and a soft spot for God. But I was telling some friends from Europe that we are particularly in the greatest danger. I'd rather deal with somebody who doesn't have God 
and they know they don't have God. Then deal with somebody who thinks they have God but they do not have God. Now in Africa that's what we have. Many people who think they know God but they do not know God. Now you say pastor That's a drastic statement you're making. No it's not. I've been teaching now for the last say 13 14 years. I meet pastors and bishops who come through our class who have no idea this is not an exaggeration i'm not being hyperbolic it's not hyperbole here it's a statement of fact people who have no idea on the first principles of saving faith Tell a bishop who leads a number of churches. Just explain to me the gospel in a sentence or in a paragraph. Take five minutes explain the gospel to me. And begin to hear somebody with collars and with suits begin to fumble. Has no idea. But this is the leader of other people. And hundreds of people are listening to this man who doesn't understand the gospel. I have the Lord Jesus say Matthew 15 verse 14 Leave them alone. Leave them alone. They are blind leaders leading the blind. That is a referendum verdict of our times in our place. So it is important that we establish our standing with God and that's for everybody that is listening to me now. A brother came to me. I hope I'm at liberty to share this story. My brother came to me. He has received a text from a person who claims to be a Christian. He says I know you preach about the dead and culture and tradition. I know this. But you see my father came to me in a dream. And my father said I must send money to buy a cow to perform this ritual and the other. <laughs> And I was saying to my brother maybe the problem is that this person is not a Christian and they think they are Christians because when a Christian hears the word of God being explained and they find that it is in the Bible they drop all else and begin to fit their lives to the scripture but this one who still says well i know you've taught that's true but i'm still so i say to my brother preach the gospel to this person preach the gospel i do think that there will be a time when we all not i think i know because this is what scripture declares there will be a time that we all will stand before the judgment seat of christ and then they will ask me about these 100 people that listen to me every day The people are entertained and Wat, made happy. Watu ambao nimetumbuiza wakiwa wamefurahi. We will give an account. Utapeana hesabu. We will give an account. Utapeana hesabu. So the time is now. Kwa hivyo wakati ni sasa. Account we Do excuse me I, th- I think I got to stop this now. Ah, nataka nisimamie hapo sasa. 
We attend conferences, and I was telling one of the brothers, I, I don't know who it was. In fact, it was, it was Wilfred. Our people attend conferences, they do. Oh, we attend conferences. We will call you next year in April for a formation conference and the hall will be full. Here you are. Look at this crowd here. It's a lot of people. <laughs> but the tragedy is we hear, go away, we don't examine ourselves. We don't count the cost. Someone told me, Pastor, you preach true things. But this is too late. This is too late. <laughs> Had you come when I was still a young man? <laughs> if I met you as a young man, I would do an about time. And I would be a preacher of the truth only. But now I have 200 people in my church. I have been teaching them this. Do you want me to go and change? I'm now 70 years. Counting the cost. Buy the truth, the scripture says. Invest in the truth. We will meet in another conference, God willing. Maybe we will not. You know, some of you here, I can see there are old people here. They are old. They are 60, they are 70. <laughs> I think there's even 80 around here. These people here. And then most of us are above 40. Ladies and gentlemen, newsflash. Newsflash. I'm in my 40s now. <laughs> I think by the grace of God and uh, the uh, average lifespan in Africa, I have another 40. <laughs> if I vote eight times, I'm out of this place. <laughs> and it's not guaranteed. I could die tomorrow. No, delete that. I could die now. And I've told my church my desire is to die on a platform like this. Just see me expire here. This flesh falls and I walk out of it into eternity. What a death. What a transition. But the point is you must make sure now that you're right with God that you've submitted yourself to the sovereignty of God. Whether you're a pastor or a bishop, so-called prophet, apostle, right, left, reverend, blue, red, reverend, whatever you are, submit to the sovereignty of God. And he calls you to make your life right with him. Let's rise to our feet now and finish this. I repeat what I said earlier. It is written, whoever calls the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a promise. May it be that this conference on the sovereignty of God is the place where you confess before the Lord. I am not a Christian, Lord. Make me a believer. I guarantee you, you will be saved. That is one of those guarantees we can give. That if anyone genuinely calls on the name of the Lord, that one will be saved. Because it's written. Look to him. Tazama Ishi Sasa Kumta Zama Yesu
Amene na mwenyewe Haleluya Utaishi ukita Lord help us now to look to you for the salvation of our souls for the edification of our hearts and for the living hope in the Lord Jesus remove worry from our heads and help us to trust on the Lord live every day under the sovereign direction and control of God Lord in our prayer in our preaching, in our evangelism, in every aspect of our lives, may we submit to the sovereignty of God till the end of time. For your name's sake, for the glory of your kingdom, for the rejoicing of your people, and for the, and for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name only we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.